Hello and welcome to Seneca Smiles, a Mindful Living Podcast. My name is Leah Rose and I am your host today. In this podcast, we go over all sorts of ways to live life more mindfully, from the things we eat, creative art prompts, and a concept called mindful forgiveness. Each week, I'll take us through one of these and introduce ways to practice it in our daily lives. I believe one step at a time, we can cultivate the courage to live the life to our design. Now today, I'm going to introduce a concept called the Four Tendencies, originally created by Gretchen Rubin in 2017. She's also the author of Better Than Before and The Happiness Project, if you've ever heard of her. She writes that she is a writer who relentlessly explores human nature to understand how we make our lives better, which is what I am talking about, people. You go, woman. This is that mindful living shit. Okay, so I know... I was hugely affected by my experience with finding out my initial tendency. Honestly, I was sitting in a room full of women. We were about to start a book club on How Not to Die by Michael Greger, on the benefits of eating a plant-based diet, and my mentor was like, hey, how do you handle expectations? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I do things sometimes, I guess. So she made me take this test and it super explained so much for me. Who doesn't like really knowing why they inherently respond to expectations the way they do? Seriously, I'm all about learning about myself. When I was a teenager, I literally was the worst. I, if anyone ever told me that I had to do something, I would sit there and ask, well, who said that? Who made that rule? Who is they? What do they have to do with it? They've never talked to me. So if you parents out there, maybe do this test with your kiddos. I bet you both will be very surprised. Also, shout out to the rain right now. I'm actually doing this in my car because it's the only place that will absorb all the sound until I move out in about a month. Woo woo, I've been saying I'm gonna move out for like five months, almost six months. So this is like dope. But anyway, back to the concept of the four tendencies. Now, the four tendencies is our response to expectations. And Gretchen Rubin writes that we all face two kinds of expectations. The first is outer expectations, such as meeting work deadlines, observing traffic regulations, uh, your friend wants to go out on a dinner date with her boyfriend and your boyfriend and expects you to be there. Family functions, you get the gist. And the second is inner expectations, such as you're going to quit napping or keeping a New Year's resolution. Or you say you're finally going to stop buying those Frito-Lay chips and start going for baked Frito-Lays. How are you going to do that? Both are so different. Quick little aside, I kind of messed up uh, the audio right here, so I'm going to just input that we are about to start talking about the actual four tendencies. Alright guys, have fun. Now I'll go over them kind of in short with you and get into more detail as we go. So the first type is an upholder, and they basically say something along the lines of this. I do what others expect of me and what I expect from myself. 
do you immediately see someone in your head that's like that? The second is a questioner. And how they handle it is through the mindset of, I do what I think is best according to my judgment. If it doesn't make sense, I won't do it. I know you questioners out there were just like, Hey, that's me though. The third is obliger. I do what I have to do. I don't want to let others down, but I may let myself down. Y'all know who you are. And then finally, rebel. I do what I want in my own way. If you try to make me do something, even if I try to make myself do something, I'm less likely to do it. I'll be honest, I thought I was that one <laughs> when uh, she explained it to me before I took the test. I was legitimately like, ooh, yeah, I have a hard time doing my own inner expectations. And she explained my mentor. This is not Gretchen Rubin. I don't know her personally. But my mentor said that we each have a main one that we inherently are, and then a second one that's kind of like a sub-concept. And we will act on both of these concepts. And, you know, the main one, of course, bigger than the secondary, but either way. So I'm going to go over each of them in slightly more detail. The first, of course, is obliger. What does it mean to be an obliger? Obligers meet outer expectations, but struggle to meet inner expectations. They're motivated by external accountability, and they wake up and think, what must I do today? They excel at meeting external demands and deadlines and go to great lengths to meet their responsibilities, so they make terrific colleagues, leaders, family members, and friends. I have wonderful obliger friends. But I know in my life, if I can sense that someone's an obliger or, you know, they'll go to the ends of the earth for me, but don't really do much for themselves, I, I tend to kind of veer away from those people. Only because it feels like I'm a crutch. Now, some people are really about that. They're like, yeah, I will totally help you. I will motivate you. I will be your best friend to the ends of the earth. I'm not really like that, and that's okay. And for those of you who are like that, fan-fucking-tastic, dude. Like, someone needs to be there for the obliger peeps in the back, okay? Or in the middle, because your upholder friend or your questioner rebel friend was like, yo, bitch, we're like, we're sitting in the middle, so get up here. And you're like, okay. So obligers depend mainly on external accountability for fear of letting others down. In fact, obligers need external accountability even for activities that they want to do. If you want to read more, join a book club, for example. That's pretty crazy. So written here is also some verbal examples of someone who's an obliger. So first example is I give 110 to my patients, so of course it's impossible for me to exercise. Or because I'm so busy meeting other people's needs, I have no time for self-care. Or even I'm always on the road managing five remote teams, so all I can eat is fast food. Sounds like an obliger. And here's what I was just talking about. Sometimes the behaviors of obligers will attribute to self-sacrifice or lack of self-esteem. Why do I always make time for other people's priorities at the expense of my own? Is often better explained as a need for accountability. And because of that, obligers are susceptible to burnout because they often have trouble setting limits or telling people no. They may, in fact, reach the point of obliger rebellion, a striking pattern in which they abruptly refuse to meet an expectation. 
oblige your rebellion may take a form that's small and symbolic, like deliberately being late for work. That's big. That's big. Or oblige your rebellion may be dramatic and far-reaching, like abruptly quitting a job, getting a divorce, or ending a long friendship with the feeling, I've had it. This is over. You're dead to me. It actually has that written there. You're dead to me. That's fucking fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yes. So for those of you who are obligers, as I'm going over this list and you're thinking, oh my God, that's me, that's me. Here are some crucial strategies for habit formation. If you're trying to start something, trying to be more mindful, if you're trying to bring something good into your life, hire a coach, a nutritionist, a fitness trainer, or some other kind of accountability partner that'll keep you on track. You could team up with a friend who will be disappointed if you don't follow through, which is the worst for me. I'm just like, oh my God, I hate disappointing people. But surprise, I am not, I am not an obliger. Or take a class with a teacher who will notice if you don't participate. You can consider yourself a role model to children, employees, friends, and the like to be an example of fulfilling commitment, showing respect for yourself, or modeling good behavior. Or think about your duty to your future self. Your future self would love to hold you accountable. I like that one. That one makes perfect sense to me because you are your own future. So why are you not doing the things that you need to do to reach the future that you want to have? Sorry, that's my, that's my inner expectation tendency coming out, coming out of the blue. The next is upholder. I'm going out of order than the first one I went, but you know, this is what we're getting. So what does it mean to be an upholder then? Well, upholders respond readily to outer and inner expectations. They wake up and think, what's on the schedule and the to-do list for today? They want to know what's expected of them and to meet those expectations, and they avoid making mistakes or letting people down, including themselves. I'm going to take a pause right here. Anyone if you know you're an upholder, you, like, if you have a friend who's an upholder, they don't have to go to classes for things. They don't have to read a book about something. They're going to just be like, yo, I'm going to do it. And then they just do it. They are Shia LaBeouf saying, do it. Just do it. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it. Make your dreams come true. Just do it. And that's beautiful. That's, I, I admire you. We can all rely on an upholder. And upholders can rely on themselves. They're self-directed and have little trouble meeting commitments, keeping resolutions, or hitting deadlines. And more often than not, they finish early. And you know, I know we all dream of being an upholder. If we are not in this tendency, this is probably what we all dream of being. I wonder if an upholder dreams about being an upholder. Do you guys know that you're already upholding? Everything? The whole world? I know a woman who's an upholder for sure. And her motivations are very deep-rooted. And sometimes being an upholder or any of these things can come from maybe even not an inherent trait that we were born with, but from the circumstances of our lives. 
You know, some people, they could be totally like obligers until they realize that, oh my God, I might, I might die tomorrow. Someone tells them that they're going to die. And then all of a sudden they're like, I'm, I'm going to do everything right now. I'm going to do it all right now. And voila, you're an upholder. Beautiful. I'm going to really hope that never has to happen to anyone, but I'm sure that it does happen to some people. Anyway, generally upholders want to understand the rules beyond the rules, as in the case of arts or ethics. And because upholders feel a real obligation to meet their expectations for themselves, they have a strong instinct for self-preservation, and this helps protect them from burnout. However, upholders may struggle in situations where expectations aren't clear. They may feel compelled to meet expectations, even ones that seem pointless. They feel uneasy when they know they're not observing the rules, even unnecessary rules. Bummer for you. Sorry about that. Or when they're asked to change plans at the last minutes. Others may find them rigid. Ooh. Sounds rough. So, common note here. Upholders and obligers are the two tendencies that readily meet external expectations, so they have much in common. If the upholderness that I'm reading to you about right now doesn't quite ring true to you as a description of yourself, you may be an obliger. Also, we'll say very few people are upholders, and a lot more people are obligers. The key difference is how do you respond to an expectation you impose on yourself? Can you listen to yourself? I'll be real with you right now. I struggled for a very long time about it. Third, third tendency, questioner. For y'all out here listening to podcasts to try and learn about something to see if it's for you. This may be you. So what does it mean to be a questioner? I'll be real again. I've been real with you this whole time and I keep saying that. I love this tendency. I love it probably because I am a questioner. And it takes me a lot. A lot. To meet any expectation. And the biggest struggle for me as a questioner is... The need to know that I may need all the answers before I do something. And that could be a struggle in a lot of ways. Like, say I want to be a nutrition coach, which I do, just a shout out. I have to let myself know that it's okay if I don't know everything about every food ever. Because the type of person that I have been was the type to say, I'm not going to do this because I don't know enough. I don't know anything about it. And that's really, that. that's pretty hard. That's pretty hard for me, you know? Because then it means you're not going to do anything ever. Literally ever. So let's get going. What does it mean to be a questioner? Questioners question all expectations, and they respond to an expectation only if they conclude that it makes sense. In essence, they meet only inner expectations. They're motivated by reason, logic, and fairness. They wake up and think, what needs to get done today? 
and why? Oh, guys, I just like really feel the feels. I love this. If you're a questioner, you probably loved hearing that. Because you're like, yes, of course. I mean, like, it makes sense. That's the whole thing. Reason, logic, and fairness. This makes sense to me. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. So they decide for themselves whether a course of action is a good idea, and they resist doing anything that seems to lack purpose. I made my cousin do this test, and we played a guessing game, and she assumed that she was a questioner. I thought she was a rebel, but guess what? She is definitely a questioner. And we did talk about feeling like things lacked purpose, and how we respond to that. Ford. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So wait, so is the test going to tell me which of the four? Yes. Okay, I'm going to tell you off. Can I make my own prediction? Make it, yes. I think I'm the first one, the curiouser. The questioner? Yes. I'm yes. questioning all kinds of shit, all of the shit. Ooh. Once I get interested in something, I feel like I, I do ask a lot of questions. If I'm genuinely, like, interested in something or intrigued by something, mm-hmm. you naturally have questions to those things. You know what I mean? Like, if I care about something, it makes you curious, mm-hmm. which leads to questions, obviously. <laughs> and you won't do it. You won't think it's worth doing unless you think all of it is logical and makes sense to you. Maybe. I mean, but this isn't, like, a, a one-and-done type thing. We all have, like, a second tendency, I believe. Yeah, I was just going to ask if I only had to be one. No, no, no. You have, like, a main one and then you're secondary. Like, I think I'm a questioner and maybe used to be an upholder and grow into... I'm not an upholder. I'm sorry. That's my dream one. I wish I could yeah, be an upholder. Yeah, it was like, bro, fuck yeah, if you're an upholder. Yeah, you. Not me. A questioner with... I couldn't understand if it was either rebel or um, obliger. Oh, yeah. I think I'm rebel. I think my secondary is rebel. Because once that grew it. Like, okay, say I do get curious about something, mm-hmm. interested, I start to get curious, I look up some shit, then I'm either like, fuck yeah, or strong no. Strong no. You know, like it's That's a really beautiful way of living. Strong yeah, or fuck no, there is no in-between. Yeah. You either do or you don't. I'm bad at in-between too. But, okay, it's so. It's such a good way of living, I struggle on, in the in-between. On instances, like on times, I'll be kind of like, fuck yeah, but also strong no. So I guess there are, there's a very curious, small in-between. Like, curious? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting, because I thought you would be a rebel in your secondary would be questioner. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Let's fucking take this test. What's her name? Gretchen what? Rubin. Gretchen Rubin. Yeah. It says, by asking the one simple question, how do I respond to expectations? We gain exciting insight into ourselves. And we know how other people respond to expectations. We understand them far more effectively as well. I just read you the first mini paragraph. Read the rest, scroll down, find the test. All right, she takes the test and voila, questionnaire. Basically, I like wake up and I'm like, what needs to get done today and why? And um, blah, blah, blah. They resist doing anything that seems to lack purpose. I'm definitely not doing something if I deem it There's no irrelevant. reason to. Yeah, if it's an irrelevant action, then it's not being acted upon by me. Mm-hmm. 0%. So, okay, then, how does it make you feel that this is how you handle inner and outer expectations? Yeah, in the beginning it says that I only meet inner expectations. I don't agree with that because in my workforce experience, mm-hmm. I'm, I definitely care about what my bosses expect of me. 
know what I mean? Like, because there's a purpose, though. Yeah. To make money. Money is the purpose here. I don't, okay, yeah, that makes more sense. Because I don't actually give a fuck about what you do. <laughs> you you just me. want some money, dude. <laughs> Inner expectations. <laughs> oh, my God. That was extremely eye-opening for me. Wow, I really didn't realize that. <laughs> you don't give a shit about other wow, people. No, I really don't. Oh my god. I think I thought that I'd. You can't? Because <laughs> you don't. <laughs> so you don't give a shit. Give me that really money. Know, yeah, and that's no. why you want a guy who's a little hooked. <laughs> <laughs> give me the money. <laughs> okay, so now that I know this, yeah. Yes, I, I have to agree with that. <laughs> um, but. Now that I know it, I I don't care. I don't care that I don't care about other people's expectations. Yeah. You laughed about fuck, it. Why the yeah. fuck would I? That's It's There's illogical people. to me. It is illogical to yeah. me. It has no purpose. There's no purpose for me to care about what you mm-hmm. want or expect of me as a person. Yeah. Unless, and this is in here also, I don't know where, but it says something about they tend to take direction only from people they respect. Yes. Boom, I come to you with all my soul spiritual shit. My mom gives me all my brain shit. Oh my god. That's all I need. That's it. I just want to make well-considered decisions and come to their own conclusions. They tend to be intellectually engaged, and they're often willing to do exhaustive research. When coconut oil first came out, and my hair was real dry and trifling, I did the most exhaustive research, just for a specific example. Because it was gonna be real motherfucking good for me to have not ratchet hair anymore. This one also makes a lot of sense to me. <clears throat> when making a re- when making a request of a questioner, be sure to include plenty of justification. We need to get the car inspected by the end of the week, otherwise we could get hit with a big fine or risk a breakdown during our upcoming road trip. It's so in- real. Instead of saying, everyone has to do this, or you said you do this, or because I said so, or because I'm a doctor. Those are not compelling arguments. It's not going to make me give a fuck about what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. What is going to make me give a fuck is paying a big fine or some such. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me as well. Oh my god. It's so interesting doing this like uh, in my group there was only two questioners. Me and Moses. You're a questioner too? Fuck yeah, bro. Yeah, it explains a lot, like, why I was so obnoxious as a child. Mm. Just being like, why do I have to go to school? Who said I have to? Mom said they. I'm like, who the fuck are they? Yeah. Like, why does that matter? Yeah. It was such an ass. It was a rebellious, questioning ass. So I think it's very interesting, like, if we knew this about ourselves at a younger age, how do you think, like, do you think we would advance a little bit sooner? Like, we know stuff a little bit sooner about ourselves rather than waiting until we're 27, 26, 25 to be like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is pretty dope. Even yeah. though it's dope now. I think so, but I think that comes around to our other conversation from the other night too, is that like knowing something about yourself and understanding something about yourself are things. different. Mm. So like if you were to have the type of grasp on this concept that we have now as adults, as children, fuck yeah, dope. we'd be fucking, dope. Yeah. the world would fucking... I just found out that our frontal cortex, our, like, part of the brain that understands stuff, doesn't fully develop until we're 25. So, like, even if we did, like, we're presented, we can't actually just, like, because our brain is still developing. Like, we haven't reached full capacity. So I'm going to go over a few more things about questioners 
and some of the facts behind it, and then we will move on into Rebel. Because questioners want to make well-considered decisions and come to their own conclusions, they tend to be intelligent. They tend to be intellectually engaged, and they're often willing to do exhaustive research. Ex- do you guys know what exhaustive research is? Because it's exhaustive. Like I said before, it it literally is the is the bane of our existence. Because if I want to be something, but I don't know everything about it, it could stop me from even trying to be that thing, to grow into it, to learn as I experience it more. Kind of like this podcast thing. As a questioner, I've had to let go of my need to think this has to be perfect. Because it's not. Did you listen to my first podcast? It's horrible. It's actually, it's actually terrifyingly bad but this this is me rebelling against the need to know everything so for y'all questioners doing exhaustive research I need you to put it down just for one second take a deep breath and know that you don't have to have all the answers immediately it's okay to start an Instagram account and just post one fact a day in fact if you do that you'll probably learn better because you're not filling yourself full of facts like a whole entire Thanksgiving dinner and tomorrow all you want to do is eat more and then you just take naps for two days and you don't remember anything or the taste of the food or who made it. Just take your time. Take your time. You'll get there. We will all get there. Now, For the questioner, if they decide there's sufficient basis for an expectation, they'll follow it. They won't follow it if they think it's arbitrary, ineffective, or inefficient. They They tend to take direction only from people they respect. Ladies and gents, find yourselves a mentor that you respect. So for those of you who are friends to a questioner... If you want to request something of them, be sure to include plenty of justification, such as, we need to get the car inspected by the end of next week. Otherwise, we could get hit with a big fine or risk a breakdown during an upcoming road trip. I literally will only put air in my tires if I'm going to drive somewhere very far away. If I'm in town, I do not care. I will not do it. But if I'm like, oh, shoot, I got to go all the way 20 minutes from my house and then back. I should probably put air in my tires so I don't get like a flat. Right, guys? This is interesting. Arguments such as everyone has to do this or you said you do this or because I said so or the also famous I'm the doctor in the room aren't compelling to us questioners. Zero percent compelling. You could be the doctor of the universe. And unless you tell me the doctor of the universe who knows this, this, and that, and facts this, and knowledge that, I literally do not care. Like the obligers say, you're dead to me. Now, at times, for those of you who are not questioners, you may feel overwhelmed by our relentless appetite for information and justification. Our constant questioning may be perceived by others as disrespectful, defiant, undermining, or showing lack of team spirit. But 
we're learning and skillfully, eventually, we learn to ask questions in a way that seems constructive. My mentor likes to say, ask the second question, not the first one, such as example, how does this work? But instead, it's, hey, I can't seem to find how to attach the Bluetooth to this device because it's wonky. Could you show me how? And for terms of what us questioners suffer from, it's analysis paralysis. Oh my God. Say that five times fast. Analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis. That's actually not that hard. Okay. So when they find it difficult to make a decision or move forward because they keep wanting more and more information, it's a real struggle. Again, I've talked about this a little bit. It's hella hard. You know, I think this will be a really fun side podcast, like a sidekick to this one, if I put one of each of us in the room and talk about this. Ooh, good ideas. You should take this test with your friends and see how it goes. Yes, you guys do that. Yes. Oh, for you questioners out there, why? Because it's fun and think of all the interesting perspectives you'll see. Now, if that's not like your kuleana for like why you do things, then I don't know. Find a really fun reason and go do it because I don't know. I just like interesting things. Anyway, questioners can manage analysis paralysis with strategies such as setting deadlines, establishing limits, or consulting trusted authorities. Yo, biggest help for me was setting a timer for an hour. I would set a timer and work on one thing. Anyone else can do this too. It is so helpful to get things done. And it really shows what you're motivated to do more of. I've added 30 minutes and sometimes I would use 25 of it doing it and be like the five last minutes. I was just so satisfied. New practice. Go do that if that makes sense to you. And the funniest thing about questioners is that ironically, we don't really like being questioned. Kind of consider their, like, we consider our actions very carefully. So, like, why are you asking me why I do it? I did, like, 10 hours of research, Karen. That's why I'm fucking doing this. (laughs) That's, That's it for questioner. So the last one is Rebel. Not Rebel Wilson, although I love her. Maybe she's a rebel. Someone go ask Rebel Wilson to take this test and get back to me. So, what does it mean to be a rebel? Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They choose to act from a sense of choice, of freedom, and they wake up and think, what do I want to do today? Did y'all find your either first tendency or secondary? Because this is hella mine. Like, what do I want to do today? Sit around? Make money by breathing? Straight chillin'? I don't know, some of you want to go hike like Mount Everest. Go you. I will just be a couch potato. Anyway. Rebels place a high value on authenticity and self-determination. They bring an unshackled spirit to what they do. 
Rebels work towards their goals in their own ways, and while they refuse to do what they're supposed to do, they can accomplish their own aims. Y'all know one rebel. I know y'all do. And they're probably so, so cool. My mentor is a rebel. One of her friends is a rebel. I'm pretty sure my aunt is a rebel. And I love them. I think we all do in a way. I think all people envy in ways rebels and upholders because neither of you give a shit. Like you're going to just go do what you want just because you want to do it. Like there's no purpose to it. There's no like I need my friend to come with me or make me go to it. It's just this is the type of person I am, or it just must, it just must be. It's important to remember that rebels can do anything they choose to do, and they seek to live up to their own identity and their values. And at the same time, rebels often frustrate others because they can't be asked or told to do anything. Unless it's a matter of living up to their values and identity, they aren't persuaded by an argument such as, People are counting on you. You said you'd do it. Your brother will be so upset if you don't do it. This is a deadline or everyone has to do this. Who is everyone? Why the fuck they matter? In fact, asking or telling rebels to do anything often makes them do just the opposite. The people around rebels must guard against accidentally igniting their spirit of opposition, particularly challenging for the parents of rebel children. Again, for my parents out there, you and your kid, go to this website, take this test, do this thing. I will give you a link. I will give you a link. And for the most part, they don't respond well to supervision, advice, directions, reminders, nagging, routines, or doing repetitive tasks. They prefer spontaneity to scheduling. They may act as though the rules don't apply to them, which, let's be honest, what are rules? Who set them? Girl, dude, man, woman, make your own damn rule. And for y'all for y'all romantics back there, if a rebel is in a long-term relationship in work or romance, the rebel's partner is probably an obliger. I'm going to say also maybe another rebel. To inspire a rebel to act... It's, it's more effective to appeal to their identity. Many rebels place a high value on idealistic identities such as, I'm a loving parent, I'm a strong, engaged boss, or I'm a successful entrepreneur. Or use information consequence choice when explaining a task. Information. My experiences with my previous patients shows that when people do their post-op rehabilitation exercises, they're much more likely to regain Full strength, independence, and experience less pain. That is the information and the consequences. But of course, it's up to you to decide what you want to do. There's the choice. Isn't that beautiful? Rebels also tend to resist habits. In Gretchen Rubin's book, Better Than Before, it goes over how we can use our tendency to change our habits for the better. So rebels tend to resist habits because they want to act with a sense of choice and freedom, and they often prefer to be spontaneous rather than a plan or schedule. Nevertheless, if you're a rebel trying to form a habit-like behavior 
of exercise, you might focus on why you want to exercise. It makes you feel energetic and alive. It's fun. You love a challenge. Use a strategy of clarity, you know. You can consider how exercise allows you to be true to yourself. You've always been an athlete. You're a person who refuses to stay cooped up inside all day. That's using the strategy of identity. Or you can use this last one. Exercise in a way that sets you apart from what people usually do. You can use the strategy of other people. When we understand ourselves and how our tendency shapes our perspective on the world, we can adapt our circumstances to suit our own nature. And when we understand how other people's tendencies shape their perspective, their perspective, we can engage with them more effectively. We can live more mindfully by knowing ourselves a little better and others. It's a lot like the love languages, guys. It's so much like that. It's, it's basically saying, this isn't really how I do things, but you're my friend and I want to communicate this type of language with you. In order to change your habit as a questioner, you would need to design a habit very specifically to suit your particular character and idiosyncrasies using a strategy of distinctions. You can consider exactly why and how a particular habit should be kept, strategy of clarity, or get more information about your habits by wearing a pedometer or charting your exercise, strategy of monitoring. If none of those sound good to you, Maybe even just writing a list of why you want to do the thing. What is in it for you? What is the purpose behind it? Better than before habit-changing techniques for upholders is scheduling exercise for a specific time instead of fitting it into your day at some point using the strategy of scheduling. Keeping a chart where you get a check mark every time you exercise or use a pedometer to track your steps. Strategy of monitoring. Or taking advantage of a big life change, new house, new job, new relationship, to start strong with a new habit, using the strategy of a clean slate. Okay. So that's it, guys. That is the four tendencies. Now, make your guesses right now. Grab your little squad or your little penguin tribe of women, men, children, elderly, pets, dolls I don't know who you are I don't know what you like but grab whatever and go take this quiz it's at GretchenRubin.com if you want to be specific https the two dots two slashes quiz.gretchenrubin.com I think that's a colon I'm sorry guys I am not a writing major <laughs> I don't know the name of all these things and you know what? I don't need to. Yet. I don't need to yet. Go take your quiz. Let me know how it goes. You can contact me via my Instagram at Seneca.SmilesHolistic. Check it out. Follow me. Tell me how it goes. And if you have more questions about this, if you're not the type to do your own research or you don't have a friend who loves doing research, you can ask me. I will go do it for you. I will literally mail you a book. And if you don't want me to mail you a book, I'll just give you a short little little synopsis. Whatever y'all need. You could just be like, yo, Leah, I need this detail. I need it written like this. And I'll be like, okay, I'm so glad you know yourself enough to ask me like that. Okay, perfect. Here you go. And I will write it in that tone as well. 
All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. This is Seneca Smiles, a holistic podcast about living a more mindful life. I will talk to you guys soon. Bye.